Welcome to Religion and Life this week at the Logan Institute. My name is Annika with the LDSSA Student Council. This week's speaker is Hank Smith, who originally spoke here at the Institute in November of 2018. Hank Smith is from St. George, Utah. He currently teaches in the Religious Education Department at BYU and is often asked to speak, especially at Firesides for Youth. He enjoys running marathons and eating ice cream, which is why he runs marathons. Enjoy. Next year. Uh, but I want to talk to college students who are struggling. I've noticed there's two types of college students, those who are really struggling with something hard and those who are soon to be struggling with something hard. Um, I know that you might think you're the only one who's struggling, uh, going through difficult things, but I promise you you're not. College students get together a couple of times a week to lie to each other about how they're doing. Because um, we ask, people say, how are you? What do we say? Great, great. And they, we ask them, how are you? And they say, couldn't be better, right? Couldn't complain. Everybody goes back to their apartment. Everybody's lying. Um, because we're all going through something. And I know there's a handful in here who are like, no, no, Brother Smith, my life right now is really good. Oh, good. Just wait. Um, life for you is about to get very soul-ripping, heart-wrenchingly difficult. A message from the Church of Jesus Christ. But... I hate to say that, uh, but you go through very difficult things, and it seems that life is almost designed to prepare us for difficult things. So my message is that maybe difficult things can be useful for us, trial, blessing, or both. The, the quintessential example of this is Joseph of Egypt, if you can see the picture on the screen. Joseph of Egypt being sold by his brothers. Was it a trial or a blessing? It's absolutely a trial at the time. There is no possible way you would say, you know, this really is a blessing. As he's being drug away by Egyptians, you wouldn't be like, you really should be happy about that, right? <laughs> That'd be a terrible thing to say to him, but it ends up being a blessing. Now, being uh, betrayed by Potiphar's wife, was that a trial or a blessing? He works his way up to head slave. Guy's a go-getter. He works his way up to head slave, and she rips that from him, right? You guys know the story. Potiphar's wife is like, hey, hey, hey. Um... <laughs> I didn't know how to do seduction, so that's seduction. Hey, 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 she's Fat Albert, apparently. Um, but, and Joseph, as you know, was like, no, no, no. And she accuses him of attacking her, and he goes to prison. Trial or blessing? Both. It ends up being both. At the time, it's a trial. You would never put your head above his little Egyptian bunk and be like, you know, this really is a blessing. You wouldn't do that. Because he's, he's in the middle of it, and he doesn't realize it's a blessing. He doesn't know the future. He doesn't have the Bible like you and I do, right? He, he hasn't read ahead. Oh, wait till I become great, right? Uh, he just is laying in his Egyptian bunk probably thinking, God hates me. That's the only logical explanation for my life is anytime anything good happens, he allows someone to take it away from me. Uh, so I don't know what I did to offend you, God, uh, but please stop. Anybody ever said a prayer like this? Like, choose someone else, please, uh, to suffer. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done suffering. Uh, and so he works his way up to head prisoner. This guy just is a nonstop. He works his way up to head prisoner. The jailer gives him the keys to the jail. He basically says, you're so great, you be in charge. And he's like, all right. So I don't know what he does. I don't cooking class. I have no idea. You know, what you do is head prisoner, prison choir. Uh, and... He's working his way up, and one day his luck changes, right? It all changes. Remember that. In one day, you, everything can change uh, for the better. I know some of you are like, yes, it can change for the worst. Yes, but it can also change for the better. Uh, the day you wake up, you think it's going to be an ordinary day there in Egyptian prison, uh, and then the Pharaoh needs, needs someone to interpret his dream, right? And they find this guy, Joseph. Joseph, did, And in one day, he goes from head prisoner to vice Pharaoh of Egypt. That's a huge promotion, in one day, right? Take the Utah State pen, 
find some guy, you're vice president, right? He'd probably fit in. Just kidding. Um, we take him out of there and be like, you're vice president. He's like, well, I was head prisoner. You know, I, that's a huge promotion. Joseph's whole life has changed. If, it's th- if the story stops right there, it's a great story about a guy who, even though other people use their agency to hurt him, he still gets up and becomes successful. That's a beautiful story. But then there's more, right? The brothers show up. What do you think that moment was like? This has been decades now. Everybody's got gray hair like Brother Richards. Everybody is, you know, everybody's gotten older. And he probably heard his, his brother's voice, right? He knows Reuben's voice. He's like, oh, wow. Oh, that's all of them. Look at him. Levi, where's your hair? Benjamin, oh, my goodness. I've, I've, I've never seen, right? This would be incredible for him. He pretends to be an Egyptian. And we'll, we'll go faster here. Most of you have seen the play. Uh, has anybody read the book? Uh, but most people have seen the play. Uh, and Joseph decides to test them, right? He's gonna, he's, he frames Benjamin and he says, Benjamin, you're going to prison. The rest of you can go home. What does he want to see? Will they leave Benjamin behind? Will they, have they changed? And they, just, and they say, no, we cannot. We cannot go home without him. In fact, it's Judah who says, do what? Take me instead. Judah says, take me instead. Interestingly, just on a side note, Judah is the great, 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 you get the picture, grandfather of Jesus, who said the same thing about us. Don't take them, take me instead, right? So a little foreshadowing from his, from his great, 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 you get the picture. Okay, so uh, he offers himself in his place, and Joseph figures out they've changed. Can you imagine this moment? He sends all the Egyptians out of the room. He's been speaking Egyptian this entire time. They don't know he speaks Hebrew. He takes off his Egyptian garb, starts speaking Hebrew. They're like, whoa, you're a fast learner. Uh, And uh, what does he say to him? I am your brother, Joseph, whom ye sold. He's just, let's get right to it. Um, Now, look at the picture. I love this picture. Can you see it? Can you see this guy in the front left? He's like, shut the front tent flap. Are you kidding? (laughs) And this one over here, it's like, oh, no, we are in so much trouble, right? Because at first you'd be like, you're alive, and then you'd be like, you're alive. Uh, It's like when you're, you're in a water fight with your brother, and then he gets the hose, and you're like, hey, we're friends, right? Mm mm what could Joseph do? He could be like, let's see how you like prison, right? Let's see how you like slavery. Let's see how you like Potiphar's wife. She's like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> right? He could, he could make their life miserable, but he doesn't. He doesn't. This is amazing to me. He says, don't be angry with yourselves. Okay. Who is this guy? <laughs> He's like, it's okay. Who hasn't sold a family member? <laughs> we all make mistakes. But he tells them not to be angry with themselves. When I forgive someone, I say, I'm not angry with you, but you should be angry with you. You should keep yourself up at night over this. You should, you should really beat yourself up. He says, no, no, no. I don't want you to be angry with yourselves that you sold me. And then he tells them why. Because it wasn't you that did this. It was, it was God's plan the entire time for me. It was, you didn't bring me here. God did, right? To preserve your life. In his greatest trials, he saw his greatest blessings. That's what we're after. How can we get to that point in life? Uh, Elder Maxwell, you probably, do you know the name Neil A. Maxwell? He died when you were just a kid, right? He died 14 years ago, so you might not even remember him, but he was like the Isaiah. Do you guys remember? He was like the Isaiah of our day. We would watch conference and go, I don't know what he's saying, but it's beautiful. Um, Well, he said this. He says there's three types of trials you're going to run into in life. Type one are things that happen to us because of our own and other sins and mistakes. Who's ever caused themselves 
their own trials. Who's ever done this? Where God looks at your life and says, I was going to give you trials, but you do an impressive job of creating your own. Right? Here's a girl that makes her own trials. You see that? <laughs> if you guys can't see that on the side, it's a little girl kissing a pig uh, with her tongue. Um, if you're sitting next to somebody who has a tendency to kiss things they shouldn't to create unhappiness, just lean over to them and be like, you know, you'd be a lot happier if you'd ki stop kissing things you shouldn't. All right? You guys are like, I didn't know he was a pig. <laughs> Found out he went to BYU. All right. Have you ever made a bad choice with one of your friends and you're like, we're going to die. <laughs> it's all our fault. Have you ever helped a friend make a bad choice? <laughs> I took this at BYU's weight room. Um... Have you ever had a choice that people had to help you out of? Do you see that? What's going on there? He's got his head stuck in a chair. All right? Those are type 1 trials. Those are type 1 trials. How can you avoid type 1 trials? Make better choices. Make better choices. So those are type 1. Let's look at type 2 trials. Elder Maxwell says, Some trials and tribulations come to us because we signed up for mortality. And remember that when things happen, when you fall on the ice this winter, right? And you're like, oh, Lord, why do you do this to me? He'd probably say something like, you signed up for this. You know full well you, what you were getting into. I wonder if we did. Did we? Were, we? were we like Dory not really paying attention? He's like, no, disease, heartache, problems. And we're like, yeah, yeah, but when do we eat ice cream? Uh, and he's like, no, no, listen, it's lots of heartache. People will make choices that hurt you. Yeah, 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 but pizza, right? Uh, and he's like, all right, go ahead, all right? We're like, woohoo, and we look back, naive little spirit. Uh, what was I thinking, right? This life is hard, but please remember, you signed up to come here. You, you were excited to come here and experience these things. And then the type three trials, he says, are those who, that come to us because an omniscient Lord deliberately chooses to school us. Now, school us doesn't mean the same thing as it means in slang, right? The Lord's like, I'm going to school you. That's not what he means. He's, the Lord wants to educate us. And so Elder Maxwell is teaching us that part of the way the Lord educates, educates us is through what? Through trials, through difficulty. And I know some of you, you don't want to hear that, right? Neither do I. Uh, but God cares, said Elder Maxwell, he said, God cares much more about your growth than your comfort. If, he ha if you make him choose between growth and comfort, which one will he choose? Your, your growth. He will choose. I know some of you are like, I, 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 I don't like this so much. I, I know. Sometimes neither do I. Uh, but that is the plan we are in. I'm going to switch this over here, and you can tell I'm right-handed. We're going to do a little uh, institute scripture study here. This is Alma 6241. Those of you who can't see it, I'll read it for you. This is Mormon speaking. We can call him Mormon. Uh, we don't have to call him the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. His name is Mormon. Mormon is speaking, and he says, he's talking about the end of the war chapters, right? The, the 20 chapters of war and the end of the book of Alma. And he says, because of the exceedingly great length of the book of Alma, just kidding, the exceedingly great length of the war between the Nephites and the Lamanites, many had become hardened because of the exceedingly great length of the war. And many were softened because of their afflictions, insomuch they did humble themselves before God even in the depth of humility. I don't know what that looks like, the depth of humility. Probably looks like you. You are the depth of humility. You're like, yes, I am. I'm the most humble person I know. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Ask the person next to you. I did a little highlighting here because I want you to do, uh, focus in a little bit. Ask the person next to you. Say, you're a scriptural genius. What does Alma 6241 mean to you? Go ahead and ask them. Say, you're a scriptural genius. What does Alma 6241 mean to you? <laughs> Hurry and ask them before they ask you. 
Okay, you got 20 seconds. Okay, come back to me here. Now I'm guessing, I'm guessing that if I were to bring you up here, we would hear something like this. You would say, it seems to me that Mormon is saying, if you go through something really difficult, you have a choice. You can either let it, what's number one? Harden you. Who's ever done this? Who's ever done hardened, angry human? Who's ever done it? We all have in some point of our life. Where we're just, and I get it, right? Sometimes trials are so long and so painful that you just are like, you know what, life? I'm not going to feel. <laughs> Watch me. And you walk around campus with straight face and you're angry at everyone. And you're like, I'm showing you life. Right? You're a joy to be with. Um, <laughs> right? But I get it. I get it because who's ever had life hurt so bad that you just wanted to turn it off for a while? Anybody gone through this? You're just like, please, just, I, I got to turn it off. And that happens. He said, but there's an alternative. And that's what I want to show you. There's an alternative to becoming hardened and angry. He said, many were softened. They chose to be softened because of their afflictions. That's really difficult to do. You can't just say that to someone when they're going through something terribly difficult that you should choose to be softened right? That is, you can't say that to someone. You usually put your arm around them and just say, you know what? Life is really hard for you and I'm sorry. But they from the Lord can hear this. Do you want to be softened, right? You have this option to be softened. Let me, let me help you. Uh, anybody know who this is? You guys, you probably can't see the picture, but anybody know who this is? It's not me. It's in black and white. I'm not that old. And it's not Brother Richards. He is that old, but uh, it, but it's not him. It's President Uchtdorf. Very good. This is Elder Uchtdorf, but he's not Elder Uchtdorf in this picture. He's 11-year-old Dieter F. Uchtdorf. Uh, 11-year-old Dieter F. Uchtdorf. Now, I don't know if you know this, but he had a bit of a different childhood than you and I. Uh, Elder Uchtdorf grew up, in, if you know anything about world history, in Germany uh, in the 1940s and the 1950s. If there's one place uh, that's going to be a difficult place to grow up, it's Germany in the 1940s and 1950s. He was a refugee twice, not once, twice. He was three years old. He had to flee their home, leave everything behind, right? I've never had to do that. Idaho has never invaded Utah, uh, and they got their potato guns, and I'm like, I got to run, right? It's never happened. I've never had to leave my home and leave everything behind. But he had to do it when he was three, and then again when he was 11 years old. He was fleeing the Germans. At one point when he's 11, he's fleeing Russia, Soviet, the Soviet Union. Uh, and he literally, and I'm using the word literally correctly here, he literally had to hold his mother's hand as they ran away from Soviet soldiers and Soviet tanks. That's, a, that's a, just a different childhood. He said when they got to the, uh, the west side of Germany, everybody spoke English. The, the family did not speak English. He said, my tongue. He said, I, I had German, and then I could figure out Russian. He said, my tongue was not made to speak English. He's like, it was so hard, so his grades failed. Uh, he started just, he basically dropped out of school because he just could not speak the language. Um, he said he remembers being 11 years old, laying on their, in the, in the room they found to sleep. He said he would count the rats and mice and see which, what there was more of, rats or mice at night, right? Some of you are like, oh, that's my apartment. Uh, but... Right? Those just a completely different life. The family needs to eat. And in order, get this, for just the family to eat, they have to all work full time just to eat. They don't speak the language, and so they can't do highly skilled jobs. So they open a laundry delivery service. The parents would clean the laundry. Guess what the kids would do? Pick it up and deliver it. So he said, this was my full-time job for the next few years was 
picking up laundry and he said they would they could get the cart loaded up with about 50 pounds of clothes uh, and then he would anybody done the bike thing for a long time he said his town had lots of hills in it anybody done that I remember some of you as a missionary you're like oh, oh, right uh, and your legs are shaky and your your lungs are burning this wasn't weeks or months this was years he said at times let's see if I can Sound like President Kroger. At times, I thought my lungs would burst. All right. Uh, he just said it was just impossible to do. And he said he'd, he wanted a nice bicycle, a nice, shiny, red, sporty bicycle. He said what I got was a very black, heavy workhorse of a bicycle that just took all, all of my, the energy out of me. It was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. He said he, he never says he hates it. I don't think they allow the word hate in general conference. They'd probably bleep it out. Um, but he says this, listen, he said, I was never overly enthused about my job or the bike, which means he hated it, um, right? Use that with your roommates. I'm not overly enthused about you not doing the dishes again. All right, so uh, he said there was one thing he liked about the bike, and that was when he dropped off the clothes, it was very light, and he could ride over to the airfield. And he would watch uh, the Americans and the British landing their planes. And pretty soon, they decide to rebuild the German Air Force. Well, guess who signs up? 17-year-old Dieter F. Uchtdorf signs up. Some of the girls here are like, he's, I can't think that. All right, so, yeah, they're like, oh, he read my mind. Um, so, uh, now, here's an interesting story. I don't know if you know this, but as when he gets into the Air Force, uh, he has to pass a pretty strict physical exam. Not because they care about him, but they care about their airplanes. Uh, and they don't want you up in your airplane having some sort of medical problem and you crash the airplane, right? They're, they don't care about you. They're like, you would hurt the airplane. So, to pass his physicals, he's got to go through all these, uh, all th all these exams. They call him in and they say, congratulations, you passed your physical. And he says, that's good news. Why did I get called in? And they said, because you lied to us. And he said, I, he joined the church by this time. He's like, no, I, I didn't lie to you. And they said, you had a lung disease when you were a kid. It's all over your x-rays. There's scar tissue all over your x-rays. Why, why didn't you tell us that you had a lung disease? And he said, I never had a lung disease. They said, no, you had a lung disease and you received treatment. It's obvious. Why didn't you disclose that? He's like, I never had a lung disease. He asked his parents, like, maybe my parents didn't tell me, right? He went home, did I have a lung disease, right? And they're like, well, you know, you didn't want to ruin your day. <laughs> they didn't know either. They thought he had asthma. You guys, this little boy had a lung disease that could have killed him had he not received treatment. But he never got treatment. What was the treatment? It was the bike. The bike was giving him treatment for a lung disease he did not know he had. Now, at the time, if you'd asked 11-year-old Dieter Fuchtorf, what do you think of this bike, what would he say? I hate it, right? Take it to Mordor and throw it in. I hate this thing. <laughs> but if you were to ask President Uchtdorf today what he thinks of that bike, what would he say? It's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Without that bike, I never watched the airplanes, which means I never joined the Air Force, which never, I, I never become part of the U.S. Air Force. I never become a pilot. Right? I never become a general authority. I never become a member of the First Presidency or an apostle. All because of something he hated. Now, I know you're going, oh, well, that's nice. But here's, here's what I'm asking you. The thing that you're going through right now that you're not telling very many people about, what if it's your bike? I know you're like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to love this one day. I know, not right now. Not right now. You don't love it. But what if one day you look back and go, that is one of the most important things that ever happened to me. 
right? That's part of being softened in our afflictions is realizing that these difficulties that we're going through might end up becoming, you can talk, blessings. They might end up becoming blessings. Now, some of you are, are struggling with depression and anxiety, and I wanted to talk particularly to you for just a minute. Um, I want to show you something out of Joseph Smith history. Uh, you know the story. Joseph Smith says he knelt down to pray, and he was seized upon by thick darkness. I was shown this the other day by a student. She was reading, and she struggles with severe depression. And she said, you know, um, I don't know if this is what he went through, but he described depression perfectly. Thick darkness gathered around me, and it seemed to me that I was doomed. Those of you who struggle with depression, is that a decent, a decent description? Thick darkness gathered around me, and it seemed to me for a time that I was doomed. And I wanted to show you three words. She, she said this gave her hope. It seemed to me for a time that I was doomed. I want you to notice that, that this depression, this thick darkness you're going through, it is for a time. I don't know why it's happening to you. I wish we could take it away. I wish there was a magic verse that took it away. Um, it's, it's something that we, you know, an older generation, we don't quite understand. We're just kind of like, you know, don't be mad at us. We were born in the 1900s and, uh, we, we say things like, well, just make lemonade, right? Uh, or just, you know, what I do is snap out of it, right? And you're like, thanks for the help. Um, we don't know. We don't know what's doing this and what's causing it, but please maybe write that down in your journal or write it down in your phone. It's for a time. It will end at some point, and you will have the light back. Uh, the light will come. Now, that's why one of my favorite phrases in the Book of Mormon is, and it came to pass, because it never comes to stay. Uh, they never say, and it came to stay, right? It it's always passes. It may, like, it may pass like a kidney stone, uh, but it will pass. It will pass. That's junior high, right? All right. So um, I want to show you another story here. Um, let me come back up. Sorry, you can tell I'm not very good at this. Uh, let me show you this. This is Elder Richard G. Scott, who himself went through quite a bit of difficulty. This might be the most important thing you hear in a month. We are like infants in our understanding of eternal matters and their impact us, on us here in mortality. Are you catching that? How much does it, it walk up to an infant and be like, tell me about life. It'll go, <laughs> right? That's you with understanding God. He said, if all matters were immediately resolved at your first petition, you could not grow. Now, this paragraph, this is by far the most important thing I'll say today. Your father in heaven and his beloved son love you perfectly. They would not require you to experience a moment more of difficulty than is absolutely needed for your personal benefit or for that of those you love. They love you too much to have you suffer needlessly. So they, I'm not saying they cause it, and I'm not saying they like it, but they wouldn't have you go through it unless it was for in some way, you're good. In some long, drawn-out way, which they probably understand and we don't, right? They wouldn't have you go through it. They love you too much to allow that to happen. So just all of your suffering has purpose. It all has purpose. I, we don't know what the purposes are often until much later, but they have purpose. Now, do you understand why you have to understand this now? Especially those of you who aren't going through hard times because you're about to. And if you don't understand this now, what's going to happen when you go through hard times? You're going to get... 
you're going to get hardened and angry. Laman and Lemuel did it. They did murmur. Look at this, 1 Nephi 2.12. They did murmur because they knew not the dealings of God. They were angry because they didn't understand how God worked. Um, sorry, I'm going to skip a couple of slides here. I want to show you. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. This is kind of a dumb story, um, but I have lots of those. Okay, so you know how God speaks to man in his own language? You know, the scriptures say that. I don't think that just means Japanese and Chinese and English. I think it means like our own mind, the way we work. God speaks to you through Pinterest. Uh, he speaks to you through social media. He speaks to you through music, through sports, right? Well, one day God spoke, spoke to me through a Utah jazz game. All right, so um, I know you're like, what? No, just my own language. My own language. Anybody else speak Utah jazzies? Anybody? Okay, good, good. There's a couple of us. Okay. So um, I was... You got to go back in your mind, but Richard, you'll remember this. This new thing came out in like 2004 called TiVo. You guys, you don't understand. When we were kids, just listen to the hardships. When we were kids and we were watching our favorite show, guess how long we waited between episodes? A week. Some of you are like, no. Yes. A week. How long do you wait? 18 seconds. And for some of you, it's too long. You're like, come on. Here we go. Let's get, let's get this going. We had a week, you guys, a week. Do you remember this? A week you had to watch your favorite show. Uh, and by the way, when we watched our favorite shows, you guys, maybe you, some of you have experienced this. What happened every 11 minutes? They went to commercials. We, do you remember this? You knew exactly when the commercial was going to come. You got up. You went to the bathroom. You knew exactly the timing of it. You guys have never experienced this. You're like, they interrupt the show? Yeah, they interrupt it at like the most perfect point where the knife is coming down and they're like, Bye tide, bye tide, right? And you're like, ah. And we would, do you remember this? Do you remember sitting there and watching these shows? Th this happened to my kids for the first time. We went to Mexico because we just watched Netflix, right? And we were in Mexico and they had real TV on. And my sons, my two sons were, I have twin boys who are five. And they were like, dad, turn on, turn on our show. And I was like, I can't. It's not on there. They're like, you just go to the screen where it has all of them and you find the one you want. I was like, it's not on. And they were so mad at me. They were like, whatever. And I said, this is your two choices. And I, so they were watching this one, 11 minutes in. Guess what happened? Commercial. They were shocked. They were like, Dad, who changed the channel? I was like, nobody. It's a commercial. What's the commercial? I'm like, you have no, you guys, you don't know what trials are. We are the handcart companies of television. So this new thing comes out called TiVo. You can fast forward commercials. Do you remember? This was the millennium. I, the first moment, I still remember watching them fast forward commercials. Teachers here, do you remember this? Do you remember? Fast forwarding commercials, you're like, the lion is lying down with the lamb here. This is fantastic. All right. So the Jazz were in the playoffs. This is back when they were good. Well, we're good now, but we went through a little 30-year slump. All right, so... We were, um, we were watching the playoffs. The Jazz were playing the Warriors back when the Warriors were beatable. Uh, and and uh, you guys, it was the last game in the series is the playoffs. Sorry. And I knew that if they lost, they weren't going to play anymore. And so I was really sad that if they were going to lose. Okay, so my buddy Lynn, I, he says... <laughs> 
my buddy Lynn, he has TiVo. He's like, come over to my house and watch the game. So we're watching the game. Fast forward in the commercials. It's great. It's awesome. You know, we're an hour behind. You've done this, right? You're, you just start it later. All right. So we're down by 12. It's the middle of third quarter. And things were getting tense. Does anybody else yell at the TV? Please tell me someone else yells at the TV. Okay, good. Anybody else grab the person next to him and shake them when things happen? Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. All right. So I am, I'm watching the game, and it goes to commercial. Well, Lynn had got to get more popcorn. He eats so much popcorn. He goes and gets more popcorn. And his wife, Haley, she's like, oh, we have TiVo, commercial. So she goes to fast-forward through the commercials. But instead of hitting the fast-forward button, she hits the live TV button. And it goes to the end of the game. At that exact moment that she hit that button, it went, eh, and the Jazz were in the middle of the floor. They were jumping up and down because they had won this game, and they had won by eight. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, da, 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 da. And she went back to the third quarter, and she said, you did not see that. And I was like, yes, I did. And she's like, well, don't tell Lynn. I was like, well, she's like, he doesn't know. Don't tell him the end. I was like, okay. And then she and my wife laughed. They're like, we know how it ends. So they laughed. So I'm sitting there by myself, and he comes back in. He's like, you going to fast forward? I'm like, oh, I'm going to let you. And he sits down, starts eating his popcorn, fast forward, right? And he looks over at me. He's like, who do you think is going to win? I was like, I got a good feeling. <laughs> he was like, really? They're down by 12. I was like, oh, yeah. anything can happen, you know? <laughs> How many of you thought I should bet him? How many of you thought I should bet him? <laughs> You evil souls. I did too, actually. But I couldn't because he's my bishop. All right, so you imagine. Are you honest in your dealing? <laughs> All right, so. So we're watching the game. The Jazz went down by 13. They went down by one more. He looks at me. And I'm like, calm as a summer's day. I was like. In fact, the Warriors fans were cheering. Guess what I thought in my head? Oh, you're going to lose. This is going to be really sad for you here in a few minutes. And then uh, the Jazz, the team, would get really down, and they would get depressed. They looked like they were going to lose. And guess what I was saying in my head? It's okay. You're going to win. I've seen it. You guys, just as I had prophesied. Uh, they hit three threes in a row. All of a sudden, they're even. All of a sudden, they climb back in it, and they win by eight. Lynn looks at me like, how'd you do that? And I was like, I just, when you got a good feeling, you got a good feeling. Um, and I went home and I thought, man, that was a f funny experience. And I was talking to my wife and I said, I think God taught me a lesson. And she's like, out of jazz game. I'm like, just listen, just hear me out here. God says, he says in the scriptures multiple times, I've seen the end. He says, I've seen the end from the beginning. I know the whole story. I know how it starts. I know how it ends. I know the whole thing. I know, even get this. You ready to blow your mind? Section 130, Doctrine and Covenants. God says, in fact, past, present, and future are all the same to me. I see them all at the same time. I know you're like, ouch, that hurts my brain. Yeah, me too, me too. But he says, I can see things, right? I've seen the end. So when really hard things are happening to you, he's like watching your game on, and he's seen the end. So when really bad things are happening, what does he do? He's like, it's okay. I've seen the end. You should see your grandkids, right? And you're like, but you, you ever notice you don't get stressed from heaven? Right? When you know down to pray, you're like, Heavenly Father, I don't know how this is going to work out. They're not like, we don't know either. <laughs> We've ran the numbers. This does not look good for you. <laughs> he never gets that. You never get that back, do you? Do you? Peter's walking on the water, sees a wave. And Jesus is like, run, Peter! Right? 
No, he knows. He already knows. This is sorry. He knows this is going to happen. He knows this is going to happen. So when you don't get stress back from heaven, it's not heaven doesn't care. It's that heaven knows what? It ends really well for you. So keep going. This really turns around for you. This, this comes forward at the end. In fact, one of my favorite verses of scripture is Isaiah 55, where the Lord says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, that really is kind of insulting if it came from anyone else. If I were to say, hey, uh, Taylor, you know, if I said, hey, Taylor, see the stars and the moon and stuff? Yeah, that's, that's pretty far away, isn't it? Uh-huh. That's kind of like my brain and your brain. <laughs> You'd be like, that's mean. But when the Lord says it, we're like, that's beautiful. Um, but what does he mean by that? Translate that into our language, into 2018 language. He's saying, I am so, 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 so much smarter than you. I am so smart, and you are so not. So you're going to have to what? You're going to have to trust me. And he tells us over and over, you're going to have to have faith that I can see things you can't, that I can see a future that you can't. All right, I need to wrap this up because I know you have, to, you have to get back to class. So I will finish with one, uh, one quick analogy, and that is the Provo Tabernacle. The Provo Tabernacle served as a meeting house in the church. It was built in 1886, not 1986. That was a long time ago. It was the last time football had, BYU had a winning season. But, uh, but in 1886, and then in December of 2010, tragedy struck, and the Provo Tabernacle was gutted by a huge fire, completely destroyed. I've looked at this picture many times and thought, I wonder what that, beeling, uh, that building, <laughs> if we gave it feelings, would say. Tell me if you've ever felt this way. I am trying so hard to be good. There are buildings around me that are not good. And this happens to me. Do you not love me? Are you even there? Do you not care about me? Because I am mad. This hurts. I'm mad. We're not talking. Okay, we're talking. But still, why would you do this to me? Why would you let this happen to me? but the Lord had something else in mind. Do you think that building had any idea what the Lord had in mind for it? No. And in the same way, you have no idea the future the Lord has in store for you. He has something more brilliant and beautiful in mind than you've ever dreamed of. So I'm going to finish kind of where we started with Elder Maxwell. The future duties to be given to some of us in worlds to come by an omniscient God will require of us an earned sense of esteem as well as proof of our competency. Thus, the tests given to us here are not given because God is in doubt to the outcome. He's not, he's not worried about your faithfulness, but because we need to grow in order to be able to serve with full effectiveness, not just here, but in the eternities to come. My hope and my prayer is that you can have that vision that the Lord has for you, that you'll catch a glimpse of it, and that you'll trust him. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for watching today. Remember to register for the Religion and Life class on the app so you can earn Institute credit for watching. Tune in every Friday at 1130 and invite a friend to watch with you.